So for the first day, I thought, right, I'll get something for lunch. And I ended up going to, I think it was nine different shops and it took an hour. And I walked all over town as well. And I ended up with a ham salad sandwich and an apple. And after nine shops. Yeah. So (laughs) there's that you've been looking thinner. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to Deep Dive from the Japan Times. I'm Oscar Boyd. Back at the beginning of the year, before coronavirus grew to consume every headline around the world, we put out a series of articles and recorded a few podcast episodes themed about environmental issues in Japan. Probably the most intrepid of these stories was written by Japan Times staff writer Andrew McCurdy, who spent a week trying to live without single-use plastics, a big ask in Japan which produces more plastic per capita than any country in the world besides America. As someone who's trying to reduce their own plastic intake, I was interested to learn more about Andrew's experience. So this week's episode focuses on that. We recorded this conversation back in January, and I was joined not just by Andrew, but also by Mona Neuhaus, founder of No Plastic Japan, who, amongst other things, sells stainless steel straws to encourage people not to use single-use plastic ones. Mona, Andrew, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you. Andrew, I want to start with quite a vivid image that you painted in your article, which was that the average person in Japan now consumes five grams or equivalent to a credit card's worth of plastic every week. That's not just in Japan, that's everywhere in the world. Because plastic, microplastics have penetrated so far into the food chain, into the air, into everything basically, that you ingest the equivalent of one credit card every week. So with that in mind, which of my credit cards would you like to try, <laughs> try on the podcast? A crunchy treat. <laughs> why are we talking about plastic and why is plastic such a big issue in Japan in particular? The thing that um, people notice very quickly when they come to Japan is that there is a lot of disposable plastic. There's a lot of packaging, particularly in food. So when you buy something in the supermarket or in the convenience store or wherever it is, you'll find that it is nine times out of ten covered in plastic. And then that is often covered in plastic. And then that is then put in a plastic bag. And by the time you get home and you eat it, you've, you're putting loads and loads of waste plastic in the bin, which you've only used basically to carry it home in. And why is that? Why is there so much more plastic wrapping? And as people who've both lived inside and outside of Japan, is it markedly different here? I think, as you say, um, it is a lot of packaging here, but after three and a half years here, you kind of get used to it as well, dangerously. And, you know, the sight of vegetables, sometimes just a tomato or an onion uh, packaging a plastic bag is kind of becomes weirdly normal. But yeah, I think compared to Europe, I'm not sure about the US, but I think um, it's definitely harder to buy things unwrapped. And I think the reason being, you know, it might seem more clean to have it packaged you have that kind of effort that went into it which services believe we want as consumers so I think it's a combination of assumptions in some ways you know yeah I think it's about presentation um one for one thing um you know that to make it look nice to make it look like some effort has gone into giving you this product Mm. but also about cleanliness I mean quite often you'll buy say if you buy like a chicken breast, and the chicken breast will come in a plastic tray which is covered in cling film. That will then be put into a separate plastic bag and then put in the shopping bag with the rest of your items so that the the juices don't 
leak out or anything like that. I mean, they are very strict on um, health and safety in Japan, but there is certainly a, a feeling that it's somehow better if it comes in plastic. Yeah, for sure. I, I feel like I've got into numerous fights with poor cashiers who <laughs> try to push a plastic bag on me and me just going like, no, I don't need it, especially the third one for the chicken. But yeah. I think I think that's the easiest one to forget about because it's quite easy to generally say, like, I, I don't need a plastic bag. Mm-hmm. And then even in the checkout process, you end up with things getting oh, wrapped yeah. and wrapped and rewrapped yeah. uh, under and your nose. Everyone means well, you know, like a lot of times when I refuse them, it's kind of like, oh, but your bag will get dirty and this and that. Um, yeah, I think they're worried that, you know, the customer won't take responsibility for if anything happens. So I think if there's a bit more of a shift that everyone takes their own responsibility. I mean, you couldn't imagine in the UK someone complaining to a supermarket that something leaked in a bag, you know. Mm-hmm. I think maybe also for people who've never been to Japan, it's difficult to imagine just how many um, drinks machines there are in Japan. They're everywhere. I mean, it's really difficult to walk in Tokyo, at least. It's really difficult to walk down the street without seeing at least one vending machine. And I can't remember the exact number I wrote in the story, how many plastic bottle drinks the average person in Japan will consume, but it's something like 180 Hmm. a year. A year, yeah. Andrew, we'll move on to your week trying to use no plastic soon, but to get a little more into the problem and why we're talking about this, I want to ask you about recycling. Because Japan does portray an image of itself as being a very advanced recycling nation, which I can totally understand people pointing to as a reason for why single-use plastics are okay to use here and why they're used in such abundance. But from what you wrote in your piece, the story doesn't sound quite as simple as that. Yeah, um, so recycling in Japan, when you take your rubbish out, you have to separate things into uh, plastic bottles, cans, uh, burnable rubbish and non-burnable rubbish. And they are really, they re- really rigidly enforce that. <clears throat> and because, you know, they're so diligent about recycling things, you have this image that um, they all get recycled. But apparently... That's not necessarily the case. Some of it um, just gets burnt. Some of it gets burnt to generate energy, which is captured. Some of it is exported to other countries in Asia for them to deal with it. And that is labelled under the umbrella term recycling, but it's maybe not what you would expect recycling to be. And because of that, because people have such a strong image of Japan being a country that recycles well, and on the surface it does... People think that it's not really a problem because even if they use something and throw it away, it's going to get recycled, so it doesn't really matter. But that's not quite as um, as clear-cut as you might think it is. Mm, I think the stat you wrote in your piece was that around 58% of Japan's plastic waste undergoes thermal recycling. So that's mm-hmm. just used to produce energy. Energy, you burn it to produce energy. Mm-hmm. So, Mona, I'm interested in what you're doing um, with your work at No Plastic Japan. You're half Japanese yourself, mm-hmm. but you grew up in the UK, is that right? Right. So I'm half German, half Japanese, okay. but grew up in the UK mostly. Um, I mean, I've been, I've been visiting Japan almost every year growing up. Um, but, you know, looking back, I was definitely more of a tourist. So I would buy the snacks I need and the drinks or the new stuff um, every time I was back. Um, but then living here... It's been a little different, um, shopping every day for food, just as you normally would, really kind of put into perspective how much waste you 
how much more waste you generate when you're in Japan. And yeah, so No Plastic Japan, um, I started in the summer of 2018. So it's been almost two years now. And the aim initially was pretty simple. It actually just started as the sales of um, stainless steel straws, as you said, so that individuals, so you know, you can carry your own, or uh, cafes, restaurants, those sort of establishments can replace their plastic straws. And so that's been one pillar, but I think it's also developed more into an awareness raising, let's say, community. So Instagram's been kind of the preferred medium, but Mm -hmm. there's just been so many more people than I expected that resonate with the message of trying not to use single-use items, not just plastic, I think. You know, the name is No Plastic Japan, but I'd like to think it goes beyond. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned Instagram because there's another account which is picking up a lot of followers called Plastic Obsessed Japan. Oh, yeah, again, I've seen just, that. Yeah, just posts a picture of something basically ridiculously overwrapped yeah. in a supermarket or at a restaurant. There's some good like accounts that. like that that are really, like, ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, it's they're gaining thousands and thousands of followers. So it's clearly resonating with a few people. And, Andrew, you first got in touch with Mona because you were trying something quite ambitious as part of your article, which was to live a week in Japan without using plastic. Without using single-use plastic. Without using single-use plastic. So anything that's designed to be used and then just thrown away as soon as you've used it once um, for a week. And, yeah, I mean, that was, as you can imagine, it was difficult. But it wasn't, it wasn't until I started it that I realised just how difficult it was going to be. How did you begin your week or what did you do uh, in preparation for the week? So before I started, I spoke to Mona. And I spoke to Greenpeace Japan just to get a bit more insight into the plastic problem and into like what things you can do. Because I'm not particularly conscious of these things. I mean, to some degree, you know, if somebody is trying to push a shopping bag on me and I really don't want it because I've already got loads, then I'll tell them I don't want it. Mm. But I'm I'm not really someone who makes that much of an effort. Um, So before I started, just to see how much plastic I accumulate in a week I collected all the rubbish that I used in a week and it was astonishing (laughs) there was I filled two massive tables with all the rubbish that I accumulated and it was embarrassing to look at I was mortified just to look at it and just think (laughs) there's a picture of that on the uh, on the article you wrote on online which everyone can check out but yeah it's a vast amount of rubbish but the thing is i mean like that rubbish goes in my bin at home yeah and my bins get taken out three times a week and always when i take the bin out it's just crammed and it's just it annoys Mm. me because i can't fit the stuff in the bin it's a waste of time as well isn't it three times a week having to take that time you could save that (laughs) yeah so you know when i accumulated all that rubbish and it made me think oh this is the amount of rubbish i generate then it did make me think, well, it can benefit my life by not having so much rubbish. I'll have to deal with it. And I I think something that um, Mona said just a minute ago was very important, that plastic obviously is a problem, but it's not so much plastic as just waste. There's just, there's a lot of things that you use and throw away and you just don't even need to. And you might think, well, it doesn't matter because it's paper and it's going to get burnt. But you still have to make the paper. You still have to, somebody's got to make whatever container it is. Mm -hmm. And if you're not even going to use it, you're just going to take it, you're going to throw it away. It's just a complete waste. Initially, when you collected your plastic waste, what was there that kind of was the bulk of it? Plastic bottles, like, well, food wrappers, basically. Food wrappers and shopping bags. Mm -hmm. Now, shopping bags, I have... Um, kids, one of whom goes to the nursery and you need to 
put a, a bag mm-hmm. where there's stuff every day. So if the clothes get dirty, you put it in. So I keep the shopping bags. But I don't keep them all because they just accumulate. So when you know when you collect them all like that, it's mad how many you get, you know? You, yeah. I mean, I, when I go shopping, quite often I'll go to more than one shop because of some things I can't get. And you end up with like five shopping bags or something for one trip. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. with that in mind, so, so Angie, you went to Mona to seek her advice. And Mona, what advice did you have? I think for- it was more of a warning, I think. Um, <laughs> I kind of said, you know, a lot of times I think you just have to plan ahead so much. And um, I mean, I don't know if that's a warning or a piece of advice, but, um, you know, I think there's certain degrees of planning that I do most days, whether that's, um, I mean, you know, it depends, but I I usually have a reusable coffee cup with me. I usually have cutlery with me, things like that, you know, that just require a bit of thinking ahead. So anything, and I think you wrote that in your article as well, but anything like, oh, suddenly feeling hungry, going to get a snack from the convenience store, that means, you know, you're already done. Like, you would have not passed your test. So, um, yeah, I think that was my kind of piece of advice, if you may say. Um, What did you find the hardest thing to get rid of in the week? Well, it was just shopping in general. So the first day I was at home, you could cheat. You could just, you know, you could just get a takeaway. You could just eat out. But I didn't want to do that. So for the first day, I thought, right, I'll get something for lunch. And I ended up going to, I think it was nine different shops. And it took an hour. And I walked all over town as well. And I ended up with a ham salad sandwich and an apple. And after nine shops, yeah. So they <laughs> say so you've been looking thinner after, <laughs> yeah. after but, a week. I mean, it was. I noticed things that I'd never noticed before. So there's like a greengrocer really near my house, and I go there often. And I went in, and I thought, oh, I could get like a, a red onion here. You get a red onion, and it's like, right, an onion is a hard vegetable with a skin <laughs> on it, a natural protection. But it was like wrapped in plastic. And I'd never really noticed that before. Mm. And there was a lot of things where I thought, definitely I can get that. And I went in and I couldn't. So I went to a bakery, can't get anything there because it's already wrapped. I went into a convenience store and then just basically walked straight out again because there was nothing. There was literally nothing <laughs> yeah. apart from like the, the fried chicken and the like, steamed buns and stuff that yeah. you get at the, at the counter. Nothing else. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I went to the supermarket and they had quite a lot of loose vegetables. And I got like five loose potatoes. <laughs> And I said, right, I don't want a bag, please. And she was like, all right, no problem. And then she started to get like a smaller plastic yeah, bag and put the potatoes ones. in together. Yeah, and I was like, that's where we kind of usually miss the last one. You're yeah. like, oh, I said, didn't stop them in time. And I said, I, I don't want that either. And she looked at me like I was like an eccentric. <laughs> like, like, why? Oh, God, this guy. Yeah. And it was, it was a bit embarrassing. And then I went to another place. And I wanted to buy some ham from like a delicatessen counter. And I said, can you put it in a paper wrapper, please? Not plastic. And he said, sure, no problem. And then he started to put that inside a plastic bag. And I said, oh, I don't want that either. And he said, but if you don't put it in here, it's going to fall out. And I I said, well, don't worry about it. You know, it's all right. I'll just, I don't want it. And he looked at me like I was like a madman, you know. And that is one thing where it gets embarrassing because... You know, you, you go into a shop, especially if it's a shop that you go to regularly, and you, you can just imagine them thinking, oh, here he comes again, this guy, the, the plastic guy, you know? <laughs> yeah, but then I guess in some ways they'll get used to it and they'll start thinking. And I think the important part is actually, you know, refusing's fine and 
telling them no every time. But I guess at some point you just have to say why you're doing it. You know, it's like it's not, I'm not doing it because I'm crazy. I'm just, you know, um, but yeah, just explain like, oh, I don't want to produce more waste, which is why I'm not taking it. And I think when people get that, they're like, oh, okay, mm. that's a problem. Okay, yeah. You say that though, so. but I've had a really infuriating case where I went to, I bought a, you know, a reusable coffee cup. Yeah. And I went to the local Seven Eleven. And I went in with my coffee cup and said, can I use this? Mm. And they said, yeah, yeah, you can use it. That's fine. But we have to give you our cup. I know what cup. you're going to say. Yeah. We have to yeah. give you our cup. It's and I said, but, <laughs> but I don't want your cup. I've got my own cup. I said, no, but we have to give you the cup. And that just, I tried to explain exactly, you know, I'm trying to save on waste mm-hmm. and not use single-use cups. And they said, well, it's, our, it's for stock keeping. This is the only way we can keep Paying stock and anyway. it's got to agree with the number on the register and all that and yeah. that was just <laughs> it's I think Mona's right though things that are not usually done at first people will get used to them because like I say if ever I said oh I don't want a bag they wouldn't even bat an eyelid because that has become quite common now that people will refuse it and so I, I also you know it's really difficult to buy meat in Japan because it's all pre-packaged but there's a butcher near where I live and I went to buy some mince. I, I bought like a Tupperware box and got them to put it in that and I went there a couple of times over the course of the week and at one point the guy said, oh, it really helps us, you bring in this, you know. Right. So, uh, yeah, and like, I'd get other people like thanking me for not taking a bag and stuff like that. So I think it is just a case of, it's just people aren't in the habit of doing it. Mm. So you made it through the week in the end? Kind of. I mean, there was a few mishaps. There was like, um, so there was, there was one instance where like this bakery that I go to all the time and there was a bit of confusion and the, the person who was serving me looked really embarrassed and, I, and like I thought, I don't want to make a fuss here. And there was others like, um, so I took my, my box to the butcher and he put the mince, the ground beef in it. And I looked and there was like, he'd slipped like a little plastic sheet under uh, it. So you didn't want to get my box dirty. But, it's, you know, I, I, <laughs> you don't, you know, it's my problem. Yeah. Yeah, it's this weird obsession with cleanliness. Like, that box is, you, you would wash that anyway, hopefully, you know. Like, I know, I know. I know, I'm not going to like use it again without yeah. washing it. I also used an Oshibori without thinking, like a, a hand wipe mm. without thinking. Um because it was just right beside me and I just opened it and wiped my hands and then I thought, whoa, I'm, I'm cheating. <laughs> but you also made your own toothpaste and went yep. to that length. How was that? Amazing. Great. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did it not taste so good? <laughs> well, it, I, I, it was um, bicarbonate of soda, coconut oil mm-hmm. and um, like peppermint oil, mm-hmm. all of which I bought in like a specialist bakery shop. First of all, actually, the bicarbonate of soda was in a box, and when I opened it, there was a packet inside. So straight away, <laughs> straight away, I've invalidated it. But um, yeah, I, I think maybe you've got to get the ratio right. It was kind of salty, but it seemed to work. I mean, my teeth stayed; they felt clean all day. My breath stayed, smelled all right. In your mouth. I, even like my kids used it, and they quite enjoyed it That's as well. Right. So I don't know how healthy it is to use that forever i don't know because mm. i'm not a dentist but it seemed to work i mean i would t- i must admit i was glad to stop to stop using it yeah but see i think the thing is we don't have to change everything right like i've been saying to someone recently how she was really into fashion and 
yeah, I kind of find it weird to buy new clothes now. I kind of, you know, fast fashion, for example, I know how bad that is for the environment. So, but, you know, if she likes fashion and that's what makes her happy, then it's okay to not stop that. Maybe she can do other things. You know, if everyone just changes what they find easy to change, even that is pretty big. So you can stick to your toothpaste if you need to, but Yeah, I think that's really important. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, there's no way that you can live you know permanently without using any single use plastic in japan i mean i managed it for a week but it took a superhuman effort <laughs> and by the end of it i was happy to to go back to normal because it's just so time consuming it was so limiting and it was a bit embarrassing as well <laughs> but you but you don't have to do it all you know you can just do some things like a lot of it made my life difficult but some of it made my life easier so like i say it reduced the amount of rubbish i had to deal with um, and all I had to do for that was just either not take a bag and carry what I had home in my hand or take like a bag that I've got in my house out with me. It's simple. Mm. Well, I think, uh, yeah, the kind of the idea of the power of the small change is really interesting, especially when you do see a picture like the one you took of the table covered in all your plastic waste. I think the other figure you included in your article was that, you know, the average person can easily use 500 single-use coffee cups over the course of the year, uh-huh. which I think if you stack them all up, you'd be kind of blown away with how many that is and how easy it would be to cut down on that number. Do you feel like Japan is on the road to making a change on the plastic front? Um, So the, the guy from Greenpeace who I spoke to made an important point is that yes, you can make changes in your own life and yes, that can have a difference, but the biggest change has to come from industry and it has to come from the government. So if you're out and about and you're thirsty, you don't really have a choice. You have to buy a bottle of water or you have to buy a bottle of tea because that's all the option there is. And the only way that's going to change is if people want it to change and if people make their voice heard. So you can do this in lots of ways. Like at supermarkets, they have suggestion boxes. You could say, you could write on a piece of paper... Um, I don't like it when you give me so many uh, bags because it just it just makes more work for me. You can um, you can like like when I said Instagram, you know these things do have some difference, but unless it comes from the government and it comes from industry, then it's not going to change so much. But it can because if you look at the fact that it's good, there's going to be a mandatory charge for shopping bags mm-hmm. as from later this year. That didn't happen just that didn't just come out of nowhere. That came because because of pressure, because of people saying that they wanted that to happen. So if that can happen for that, then it can happen for the other things as well. Yeah, and I think already the Ministry of the Environment and Ministry of Defence have banned the sale of plastic bags on or the use of plastic bags on their premises. So yeah. I do think they're they're leading some kind of charge. And it, I mean when we did the podcast and article on Icky um, the island that was the first place in Japan to declare a climate emergency. Um, one of the, their biggest issues was plastic, mm. and in particular because during the summer there, this really big um, tourist hotspot, and they just found more and more plastic washing up on the beach, mm. and that was such a visible kind of sign of the fact that the seas are polluted and the we're going back to that five gram a week of plastics that everything is <laughs> yeah. kind of polluted by microplastics. But Mona, what are your thoughts? Do you think that Japan is improving? I think the world is definitely on on its way. Um, And Japan, in some ways, has its own quirks, which make it harder to 
eliminate certain things. Um, but I think it's getting there. Um, you know, as we were saying earlier, you know, you said that refusing a bag is not that strange anymore. So I think we're getting there with the cups and stuff as well. Um, On the topic of bottles, I know there's yeah. a new app that came out recently called My Mizu, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, I don't know whether it's outside of Tokyo. I actually believe it it's is. Everywhere. Yeah, it's everywhere. So they, but it's, you know, it's worldwide even. Um, I mean, mostly based in Japan, but yeah. So you can register your own refill spots that you might find somewhere, um, which will be then verified and... Yeah, it's like a Google Maps. You just search where you can fill up your water, which is useful because Japan, you can drink clean water from the tap. So really, there's no reason to buy plastic bottles. Um, I can remember. So when I was a kid, there was no mineral water. You couldn't buy it. <laughs> um, and I can remember like the first time I ever saw mineral water on sale in a shop. And I was like, why would you buy water? Why yeah. would you pay money for water? Because you get it for free at the time. <laughs> and But... It is now the case that people wouldn't even think about drinking tap water because they mm. think it's not going to taste good or they think it's not healthy. But the plastic ones aren't healthy either. Going back to microplastics, I think there's been research that those kind of pet bottles have microplastics in them. So you know, that's kind of scary as well. You kind of initially, yeah. I thought that's the kind of safe space, you know, like when it's packaged and everything. But I'm not sure if it is anymore. So, but there's nothing wrong with tap water. It's fine. Tastes good. <laughs> I think that's yep. a suitably succinct point to end on. Uh, thanks, Mona, for coming thank in, and you. thank you, Andrew, for that great article. It was a really good read, and nice mm -hmm. to see it being discussed. Thanks for thank having you. me. At the beginning of March, the government announced it planned to introduce a minimum one yen fee for plastic bags at the beginning of July this year. Bags used for perishable foods and eco-friendly bags such as those made from plant-based materials will be exempted from the charges, but otherwise all stores and shops will be mandated to introduce the charge. You've been listening to Deep Dive with me, Oscar Boyd. My guests this week were Mona Neuhaus and Andrew McCurdy. If you're enjoying Deep Dive, subscribe to us, rate us and review us on whichever podcasting platform you're listening on. Cheers to all of you who have rated us so far. Thanks as always for listening. And until next time, Podskarisama.